0: Hey ringers, you are listening to an older episode of the Put A Ring On It podcast.
1: Whether this is your first episode or you're on a total binge and this is your 50th, thank you. You are already a ringer in our hearts.
0: (laughs) You'll hear more about ringers in future episodes.
1: And you'll hear in season six that we launched a Patreon community for amazing ringers just like you. But because this is an older episode, you're not yet privy to that information.
0: And we didn't want you to miss out. So please accept our invitation to join us at patreon.com slash p-a-r-o-i. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-a-r-o-i.
1: Patreon is a membership platform that allows amazing listeners like you to support fun-loving creatives like us in a really big way.
0: Yeah, you can become a supporter for as little as 2 bucks a month, and we've got some amazing benefits for you, like getting your questions answered, one-on-ones with Danielle and I, and a ton more.
1: All are welcome, and we can't thank you enough for your support. Okay, now on to the show.
0: You know, what really bums me out that there is a ton of customization available for brides and bridesmaids for their wedding attire. But when it comes to us guys, it seems like we've got way less options. That's why we love the Naughty tie company. Not naughty as in naughty, but naughty as in, you know,
1: tying the knot. Yeah, anyway, the Naughty Tie Company has ties, bow ties, and pocket squares that are totally customizable. You can match colors or patterns to things like bridesmaid's dresses, flowers, your table linens, or really whatever you'd like. And everything is printed and sewn right in Denver, Colorado, which is nowhere near us here in Philly, but that's not the point.
0: So if you go to NaughtyTie.com slash ring, they are going to hook you up with free design service from one of their amazing designers. That's easily like $20 you're going to save just for being a put a ring on a podcast listener. That's K-N-O-T-T-Y-T-I-E dot com slash R-I-N-G. Welcome to the Put A Ring On It podcast, a podcast for anyone who's screaming from the rooftops and just can't wait to get married. I'm Daniel Moyer, wedding photographer and frequent patron of the Olive Garden.
1: And I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner and hater of carrots. Let's do this.
0: Hey, everyone, welcome to the Put A Ring On It podcast. We're live in season three, episode thirty one.
1: We're not live.
0: Well, we sort of are. We're
1: alive. We're,
0: we're alive. We're alive in season three, episode thirty one. Um We're in the thick of summer right now, but if you're listening to this in the winter, um just know that it's really warm where we are recording this in the past. I'm gonna stop talking.
1: Hi Danielle. Hi Dan, how are you? <laughs>
0: Good, we're uh, getting ready to go on vacation Um, As you said in the pre-pre-roll to this podcast, to this episode Um, So I'm just really excited for that Just get get to spend some family time uh, with my ladies uh, Because last year we didn't get to because we had a very young baby Anyway, Uh, what about you? You're heading on vacation soon too, right?
1: Yep, we are, and I'm in like making my list before I pack mode (laughs) Because that's how I pack.
0: (laughs) I pack basically the day before I have to leave. And I just go, okay, I'm gone for this many days. I need this many pieces of clothes, uh, this many pieces of underwear, plus two. That's my rule. Um, I need some socks. And I need a whole bunch of pairs of swim trunks. And that's it. That's what I do.
1: Hmm. Must be nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't pack like that. I have I have to have so many extras and so many, you know, what ifs and just in cases. And I go I go a little crazy, but that's why I make my list, because I know that list keep me sane. And then I just trust my list and I go from there. However, the rest of my family does not do it the same way. <laughs> so,
0: Are you a notorious overpacker?
1: Oh, very, very, very much so. In fact, so we're going on vacation with Mike's family and um I am very much like an itinerary person, and they're not really, they're just more go with the flow and do what it is, which is totally fine, but I have no idea how to pack. And um, I keep saying like, well, just roughly how many swimsuits do I need? And like, how many, <laughs> how many nice outfits and how many this and like, they were even talking about like, maybe we should all just just do carry ons instead of like regular luggage. And I was like, "Um, I don't think that's gonna be possible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so,
1: yeah so i get to have my my checked luggage <laughs> and yeah. uh, probably also a very large carry-on but as a girl uh, i just have a lot of things i have like makeup and blow dryers and you know I'm, I'm not too bad but i got a lot of stuff
0: we're all about the carry-on just just one carry-on and maybe a backpack and rachel's oh, pretty fancy. good yeah 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 rachel's pretty good with just one carry-on, especially if we're going to the beach. Like, she she is a notorious overpacker, and having a baby has way enabled the overpacking. Well, we need 100 books, because what happens if she just wants to have books for all week? Oh, but we also need to have 100 toys, because what happens if she doesn't wants, want any of the toys and or any of the books, and she just wants to play with different toys? What happens if she gets bored with one? We need to have a couple of different options. Oh, my God. But... When it comes to the beach, she's really good at just like streamlining.
1: Nice. Well, the beach is hard because the beach, you're like you're you're hoofing it from the car. And I hate walking in sand. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Um, What I found as a relatively inexperienced traveler with children is that you sort of make do that if you have that one toy or that one book you just keep playing with that toy or that one book, or you find like a magazine to read, or you find like you just sort of make it work. But yeah, I that's so much easier said than done. That's so. my
0: thought, but that's okay. She yeah. likes it, it keeps her sane, it makes her feel happy. So, um, I,
1: I swear, no matter yeah. how many toys we ever have, nothing beats like a toilet paper tube. <laughs> and some like, <laughs> or box. like, and some markers. Yeah, those <laughs> those things are like prime materials in this house. So it's uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Um, speaking of things that make me happy um and you happy we got some really amazing reviews yeah we've been feeling uh, the love over the past like week oh we have been definitely feeling the love um do you want to read one of them
1: i want to read a little snippet from one of them because i just felt like it was it was really sweet um we got this one a few weeks ago um and it was from a person named leslie LNC. Um, so we want to give a shout out to them. And she says, Um, I feel like there's a lot of smugness in the wedding industry and wedding podcasts, and I feel like they are podcasting um side note, they being put a ring on a podcast that they're podcasting from a place of wanting to share their genuine joy about weddings and marriage and to be helpful to a wide audience they also caveat a lot of their advice with reminders that your wedding is personal and you should do what works for you and your significant other and as someone who has often gotten overwhelmed by wedding planning frequently these reminders help my blood pressure she goes on to say that she actually that that was the longest review she's ever left on something so she says she thinks that says something too <laughs> which i thought was really funny so thank you so so much that was super sweet um it's just been awesome dan do you want to read another one just to like gush on ourselves i guess a bit who are we yeah
0: Who are we? Let's pat ourselves on the back here. (laughs) This one comes from Ames0724. They say, I love this podcast so much, and I truly look forward to every new episode. I stumbled upon Danielle on Instagram and started listening to season one or two right before my fiance and I got engaged. And it was fun to listen to her and Daniel enjoy each other's company and have fun talking about what they love to do. They instill so much knowledge and tips into every episode. It really helped us. Start wedding planning off on the right foot. Now, my fiance and I look forward to listening to new episodes together in the car. Oh, that's sweet. Even if a topic is not applicable, like a destination wedding, we still learn so much and it has really facilitated discussion and help us come up with fun ideas or talk about what we won't or don't want for the big day. Danielle and Daniel are just the best.
1: Oh, we're the best. (laughs) Thank you all, guys. That's super sweet. Keep the reviews coming. Um, We couldn't do it without your support and your feedback. So really, all of these things are just incredibly helpful to us. And it it tells us like these little snippets. Just tell us more of what you want to hear and, and where you're listening, because then we know how to tailor... What we're giving to you and how we're giving it to you. Um, I really yeah. want to know. So their name is their username is Ames zero seven two four. I want to see. I want to think. Is zero seven two four? Is it July twenty fourth? Is their birthday or the day they're going to get married? I'm going to say birthday, and I want to see if I'm right. So reach out to us. Tell me if I'm right, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go. This is a labor of love. I mean, we go through a whole bunch of uh, ups and downs, and you know, put a lot of time into this. Uh, just so everybody can have a different perspective on weddings and not get so bogged down by the minutiae of wedding planning. Um, and it just really is helpful and motivating to know that you know, you guys out there are appreciating this and that you're gaining something from it. So thank Mm -hmm. you very much for taking the time to review us, um, five star us and just send a little love our way. Thanks, guys.
1: Definitely. And we also um, have been receiving your voicemails. In fact, later in this episode, we are going to play one of the voicemails from a caller who called in with a really great question. And we're going to talk through it a little bit Um, that we're going to do later in this episode. But for now, Dan, let's talk about booze. Booze. So today's episode, you guys, we wanted to talk a bit about the bar, uh, booze. whether you're providing alcohol, if you're a caterer or venue is providing it. Um, we just wanted to talk through it. And we should have, we should have. And talk about booze. Yeah, we should have drank before today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> All you would have got out of me if I drank before this episode is giggling. And then at some point I would have fallen asleep. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> And that would have been the storm. So, Dan, you are a lover of hosting a good party. So, I am. I, I'm curious, just to, to start off this episode, I'm curious, how do you and Rachel typically approach alcohol for for the parties that you you host?
0: As much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it. I guess it depends on how many people are coming. Because sometimes we'll, you know, the invite is sent out to a whole bunch of people, and it's the party is. You know 10 hours long um you know maybe it starts midday and we have a picnic and then we have um you know people staying until late into the evening and they're staying over blah 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 blah. uh you know so that requires more alcohol than one where people are just coming over at eight and maybe some people leave at midnight and that's it nobody's staying over um but for one of those big parties uh you know we we just generally know what who likes beer and who likes wine and who wants some mixed drinks um and similar to a wedding i usually try to get the goods for one fun drink um like the last couple of times i had mojitos i did pim's cups uh and a couple other things so i made sure i got um you know mint and you, yeah the fixins, uh and just had you know some fun with it so I guess we just try to figure out how many people are coming and generally say like, okay, James is a beer guy. He'll probably have, you know, a couple of beers. This person loves to drink wine. And we just make a generalization based on that list of people and start buying.
1: Right. So so there's like a little bit of planning that goes into it and just making sure that you have probably more than enough at the end of the day.
0: Totally. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll use the leftovers for the next party.
1: And I think that's pretty much how a lot of us approach the, you know, the events, the small events that we host throughout our life. But I feel like when it comes to weddings, Not to to be cliche, but I feel like it's a little bit different because you're very likely buying on a much larger scale. Like, are you having to figure out 150 people? And it's a lot harder to go through that list of 150 people and say, roughly, how many drinks is Uncle Joe going to have? Especially if it's an uncle maybe that you haven't seen in a while. You don't even know if they do drink. So it's one of those things when you're planning a wedding that I feel like this can be a very daunting task. If it's a task that's put onto your plate in terms of having to make the call and having to even supply the alcohol for um for your event. So that's I think what inspired today's episode.
0: So so are we talking here just about like backyard DIY weddings or or is there a much is this more applicable to to even just a regular reception venue? Who who has to deal with this, Danielle? So
1: there's a few different um things that I, I have on my list for today that I want to talk about I think you're going okay. to get the most out of this episode if you are providing all of the alcohol for your wedding like if you're sort of okay. tasked with that job that said we're also going to go into a lot of like full bars limited bars cash bars Um, all of the different things that your venue or caterer, if they're providing the alcohol and the like all that service, that they may ask you. And we want to talk through those things so you feel like you can make a decision based on what's best for you and what's best for your guests. Because at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. We want to give you all the information possible to make a really solid, confident decision so you can like A plus gold sticker that stuff.
0: Okay. Okay. So where's a good place to start? I feel like a term that I often hear... Is cash bar versus open bar. Discuss.
1: Okay. So (laughs) a cash bar. Well, let's talk about what a cash bar is versus what an open bar is. A cash bar is if as a guest to an event, I go up to the bar, I order my drink, and the bartender says that drink will be $5 or whatever it is. I give that bartender my $5. They give me the drink, and I go on my way. So I'm paying for my drink as a guest. Got it. Same as I would if I were at a restaurant or a bar or any other type of place. An open bar is where I go up to the bartender and I say, can I have my drink? And they give me my drink and I walk away and no money is really exchanged. Perhaps I give them a tip. But we're going to talk about that later. Otherwise, the uh, cost of my drink as well as all the other guests at that event's drink are being taken care of by the host of that party. Okay. Now. Interesting. Based on that, I personally and professionally feel that if you are inviting guests to an event, that it should be an open bar. I meaning
0: that you provide drinks for everybody.
1: right. and you don't ask your okay. guests to to take that cost onto themselves.
0: Okay, so uh, let me interject. When do you feel it's appropriate to have a cash bar ever at a wedding? Or like more, that's more of an event kind of thing.
1: I think it's more popular at events or like nonprofits or things like that. Fundraisers where, you know, they're, they're trying to raise money where the, you know, the fundraising organization wants to, you know, offer drinks to their guests, but at the same time, in order to cover that cost would be sort of negatively affecting the whole point of the fundraiser. So in that case, it makes sense. But for a wedding, I really do think it's, it's the best thing you can do to offer that to your guests. Now there's ways that you can like control the cost of it. And there's ways that you don't have to necessarily, uh, you know, blow the entire budget. And you know, what if you, you know, what if you have a really crazy family that you're worried is going to go overboard. There's ways to like (laughs) control that. And we're going to actually go into it a little bit in, in today's episode, but there's, there's options. I just think if at all possible, you should absolutely, absolutely, absolutely not do a cash bar.
0: Okay, so before we go on to like other kinds of bars, let's let's get some uh, one thing that you mentioned, which was tipping. Um, Let's get that out of the way. So when when should you tip the bartender? Because I see a lot of wedding guests throw ones or you know twos down, not twos, <laughs> throw a couple of bucks down. <laughs> I mean, that'd be pretty cool. You should start carrying $2 bills with you everywhere you go and just tip people with those. Um, no, but I see a lot of wedding guests tipping bartenders. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal? Is it the couple who tips them or is it the guests or is it a combination of both? What happens there?
1: So it sort of depends. If you want to take care of the tip, you would make sure to tip your bartenders well. They've got a tough job and it's a, it's a busy night for them. And let them know, you know, I've got your tip. On the other side of things, I don't personally think it's terribly wrong to have the bartenders put out a tip jar if they haven't already been tipped by the couple, that if guests want to pass along a dollar or two, then that's totally fine and acceptable throughout the night. Or, you know, sometimes like I'm a person that like I just give them 10 bucks and then I, because I don't drink all that much, but then I'm just like, that's their tip for the night and I don't have to like bring cash with me every time I go up to the bar. Um but I don't I don't think um, allowing your guests to tip your bartenders is it's like it's not a mandatory thing. It's It's just more of a nice gesture that your guests can do. Um, but it's definitely not something that it, it's 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 different than a cash bar. And I think it's something that is definitely an option um, and an OK thing in my book. OK. I just I just don't like it if like if a bartender's already been tipped and then they also put out a tip jar. That to me sort of ropes me the wrong way, because if if they've sort of already been taken care of, again, a tip jar, whether it's out or not, um, a bartender can still receive tips. Like a guest might still be insistent and pass the bartender money, in which case that's fine. But I think a tip jar more uh, leaves the door open and suggests a little more heavily that, you know, they're expecting a tip. Does that make sense? Gotcha
0: yeah absolutely. good answer. Oh, awesome. uh, okay, so let's get back into the different types of bars and what's included. So I guess the next thing that w- would make sense is to talk about um, like a full bar versus limited bar Because then what you were saying before is like, okay, how do you control how much liquor uh, is getting to your guests? So
1: right. So your full bar is um, a bar that's offering just about everything. beer, wine, Several selections of each of those plus liquor for probably just about any cocktail you can think of with like mixers and and bar fruits and garnishes and all of that. That's, you know, if if, uh, a guest can walk up and order a Jack and Coke to a margarita to a mojito to a whatever, cosmopolitan. Gotcha. On the other side of things, a limited bar is when you have a little bit more say into... Uh, what is and isn 't being served it 's not just everything under the sun it 's usually beer and wine only with just a few small selections of each, or beer and wine and maybe a signature cocktail or two um that 's a little more fun and and covers a few different things okay, so I
0: feel like i i don 't think we really need to cover much more about the the full bar, but I feel like maybe we should unpack. I haven't used a good veil reference in a while. Maybe we should peel the peel the veil back or peer behind the veil, uh, on what these like limited bars are and how, like what, what the benefits of those are. So if we're talking about just beer and wine only, mm-hmm. um, I've heard that you, you usually you, like break it up like 40% beer, 60% wine. Is that pretty standard?
1: It's, it's, it really depends on your guests. Um, I, I always would think that beer would be the more popular choice, but when it comes to consumption, more wine is consumed than beer, more often than not. Obviously, if you're a big beer family, then adjust those percentages, but that's usually, I would say, a good rule of thumb if you're just doing beer and wine.
0: Okay. I've been to a bunch of weddings where it's just beer and wine only, so for everybody out there listening Mm -hmm. like on the fence, it's not uncommon to offer just beer and wine only, Right
1: right it's totally common and totally okay um it's it's really it's really just a matter of i mean some places you're not even allowed to bring in liquor or you know bringing in liquor changes things on your part so that's it's totally okay don't feel like In my opinion, you shouldn't feel like your guests are going to be like guffaw, you know, over (laughs) the fact that there's no liquor, you know what I mean? Because there's still beer and wine. and, And for most people, that's a crowd pleaser. Oh, I guess we should also note when we're talking about like a beer and wine only bar, that's meaning in terms of alcohol. We're not saying the only thing you're serving is beer and wine. It's just that's the only alcohol you're serving. So you still have things like water and sodas or iced tea and lemonade or whatever it is. So when we say beer and wine only, it's not quite only only it's like an only with an asterisk
0: okay so i think a key here then is to make sure that you offer varieties of beer and and varieties of wine like so you wouldn't just have like one type of beer one type of wine so you want to offer a few different kinds so with beer um You could do something like this. You could go American Lager, which would be like Budweiser, Coors, Yingling, something like that. Um, You could do a a few different kinds of ales, or you can do IPAs, um, Dogfish Head, that kind of thing. Um, IPAs are big right now. They're huge, huge right now. Um, And obviously, everybody knows most domestic brands, which are Bud, Bud Light, Coors, Coors Light, Blue Moon, Sam Adams, Yingling, Shop Top, Shock Top, Sierra Nevada and then I I wonder is it possible to do ciders like I think that would probably be like a specialty you'd have to bring in like Angry Orchard Yeah but you or... sh-
1: I'm right but I those I mean ciders especially in like fall are great
0: Yeah okay Um and then popular imported ones are also uh Corona, Stella, Amstel or Heineken
1: Mhm And and especially lately I feel like Yingling is a big deal, the IPAs are a big deal and um Stella though I like Stella too a lot so (laughs) that's why I notice it but those are those are definitely popular ones and it depends on your area too
0: so speaking of area uh, I had a a a friend who they really like beer he he brews his own beer in his basement he always like goes to different breweries and he gets to travel a bit and um I guess he went down to Florida and he was down there and he like headed out to a, a bar you know one evening after he was done with work and um he went to a bar and like he's like, all right, what's good? What do you got now that's like new and interesting and different? And they're like, oh, my gosh, we got this new beer in from Pennsylvania. It's amazing. It's called Yingling. <laughs> and he was like, dang it. Uh, I had to travel all the way down to Florida. I guess like it was I don't know if it just got released there or, or they just started shipping it there or something. But he just thought it was really funny that he had to drive all the way down to Florida or fly all the way down to Florida just to get yingling as like the new popular beer when he was hoping to get something different and fancy.
1: (laughs) That's really funny. Uh,
0: So I guess there you go. Yeah. Uh, So
1: region really comes into play with a lot of this. Um, And speaking of too, with Florida, you've got really hotter months when it comes to wine. um, You know, obviously there's your basic red, and white option and then there's also sweet and dry options so i usually say like if depends on when you're getting married and where you're getting married by nature though on hotter days guests will drink more white wine and on cooler days guests are going to go through way more red wine i don't i know there's some sort of science behind it uh but that's as far as i know is that there's science behind it
2: (laughs) and that you should definitely
1: like plan accordingly (laughs) normally for most weddings like for most summer weddings i usually say like a Sixty-five, thirty-five split on white being a little bit more than than the red and having some like some dry some sweet options and and being good from there i if you're providing your own um your own alcohol i usually say stick to like a few basics like don't try and provide you know 10 different kinds of beer and 20 different kinds of wine that would be a lot of kinds of wine but just stick with your like cover your bases like that you know a nice good good beer and a, a light beer and something else. <laughs> I'm bad when it comes to beers, but like, <laughs> uh, right, right. Exactly. Like, you know, a few different varieties and then on on the wine, like I said, some some red, some white, good to go. Like, don't feel like you have to have Got every it. every whatever in the book.
0: Yeah, I, I think the next level is, is what you mentioned before, which would be like beer and wine and a signature drink or two. Um, that to me, like if you're trying to save some bucks, that to me just sounds like such an awesome opportunity. Um, like, just... Uh, we... So, if we're talking about a party, um, Rachel and I did a signature drink a couple years ago for a Halloween party. And we still had, like, liquor for everybody. We had beer for everybody. And I'll tell you why. I was like, I don't know who's gonna drink this signature drink. It's nothing crazy. It went so quick. And I, I don't know if... I don't know what the appeal is behind them, but it's just like, I, maybe maybe some people who aren't beer people who aren't wine people who like really want alcohol like it's just like okay here's this thing it's a it's a simple choice it's this one thing they're made to taste really good um so i say like the beer plus wine plus signature drink oh that's just that is a great compromise between, like, full bar and beer and wine only.
1: I agree. And I think the signature drink usually becomes the more popular option, not necessarily because it has, like, well, that's the only liquor option. I think it comes down to that the host of the party obviously picked that drink for a reason or created it yeah. or themed it around whatever it is that the the party is sort of themed around or, like, you know, it sets that tone. And I think as a guest, you go, well, yeah, I'll try that. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be Part of the the crowd and and you know I want to drink what the cool kids are drinking so I think yeah. that's why it ends up being a really popular choice and and honestly um, I mean when you when you add in liquor to your your breakdown of like percentages I usually say do um, take away 10% on each and add it to the liquor so 30% beer, Fifty percent wine, twenty percent liquor. Um, just because you're as a as a guest attendee, you're not going to be drinking that liquor drink all night long. I mean, you might be, but it's it's a little bit more rare. Um, you're going yeah. to, you know, maybe have a liquor drink and then switch to something else or just water or whatever it is. But beer and wine are consumed a little bit. They're able to be consumed, I guess, a little bit more frequently. <laughs> so. Yeah, we
0: we had a signature drink for our wedding, and it it was a pretty big hit. Our wedding was in the summer. Um, so we wanted and we really love lemonade and just like the feel of summer. So we made a drink uh, centered around lemonade um, and it went off really well. And it just reminded me, as you said, like, OK, if depending on the season and what you want the feel of your wedding to be, um, you know, choose a drink around that and thinking of it again, like it it went over really well. Um As you're picking your signature drink, keep it simple, um, only a few ingredients that are quick to make and just organize it around something that relates to your wedding or the season or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't have to be alcoholic either. If you want to do a signature drink, um, excuse me, you could do something like I've seen like a really pretty lavender lemonade done. Um, Like you could do like a pomegranate iced tea. There are just pinterest this non-alcoholic signature drinks (laughs) or alcoholic signature drinks it doesn't matter but there's some options out there so if you still want to have the signature drink um but you want to make it something that if you have all ages attending kids and everybody you can still have that something for somebody and i feel like as a kid attending a wedding and i get to drink the signature drink like if it's a non-alcoholic drink like how special do i feel as like you know what i mean like that's really sweet too so don't feel like it has to be um maybe if you can't have liquor don't feel like you still can't do a signature drink then because You still can.
0: And also don't feel like if you are talking about an alcoholic one, don't feel like it has to be some like super big fancy drink. Just if you want to do rum and Coke like as as your signature drink, absolutely do that. Right know,
1: I would say when you're trying to figure it out, base it off of your personalities and what you like, but try and keep in mind that your bartenders are going to have to make these. Uh, very quickly for your guests in order to keep your bar line down. You don't want your guests waiting too long in the line. And if your drink requires a lot of steps or like there's a lot of muddling or whatever it is, you want to keep that in mind. And if it does and you just absolutely love this drink, maybe see if your bartenders can like pre-make it in batches or yep. have it ready to go so that when that cocktail hour rush really comes in after the ceremony's over and everybody's ready to go, um, that they're not waiting forever for just their one really beautiful, really tasty, delicious drink that they can like knock it out really fast.
0: You know what you should also do in order to entice people to drink it? Give it a fun name.
1: oh uh, yeah.
0: I'm trying to think of what ours was called and I cannot remember. Uh... I know it was blue. Yeah, I remember what it had in it. It was like, I mean, so they it was supposed to be made in like a big batch that I remember. Mm-hmm. So it was like a fifth of vodka, um, a uh, I think it was a fifth of blue curacao. And then like you fill the rest of the container with like a gallon or two gallons of lemonade. Um, and that's all the drink was. Um, that's I cannot remember what that it was called, though.
1: I feel like have I have it somewhere up. in my notes. I probably have it written down somewhere. But um, well, on that note, though, too, if you can, I definitely recommend like printing out or having a little menu made for your bar. So that way, as guests are approaching the bar, they know what to order, how to order it. They know what's available. So yep. they're not walking up to that bartender and going, okay. What kind of beer do you have? Like they already know. They've already looked at the sign, you know, while they were standing in line, they're able to pick it out. I know that's one of those details that you're like, oh, really, we need a menu for our bar. But it's, it's for function. It's the function of it lets your guests know what's available. It will slow down your bar line so that guests waiting in line aren't waiting for the person in front of them to go, well, wait, what did you say you had? Wait, wait, wait. I think I want wine instead. What kind of wine do you have? It just keeps everything flowing really smoothly and yep. it can be really pretty too.
0: That's super simple, and it's really you. All, depending on how many bars you have, you only need like one or two signs per bar. It's not like a huge oh, right. undertaking. <laughs> just, just do this quick little thing, right. get it done, and it'll reap dividends.
1: Literally, you can do it in Word, print it out, put it in a frame from the dollar store. Like it's, it doesn't <laughs> need to be a big deal thing, um, but it will, it will logistically do a lot of really good things.
0: Okay, so let's talk about beer, beer. a little more. Then. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> beer
1: just makes me um, burp i can't drink beer it makes me so burpy
0: it hurts my tummy yeah i'm not a beer guy i like i do like a good cider though mm. um okay so with beer though you do have a few different options on how to serve it right there's kegs bottles and cans right um what from this professional logistics standpoint what do you feel like is best option or when to choose either one
1: right so uh, hands down in my opinion bottles are the best way to go you can chill them as you need them they serve super quick they just need to pop off a top and there's no need to like rent or purchase an additional cup that you need to serve this beer in cans oh, smart in my opinion um they're affordable they stay cool but they're not necessarily the best look um, if you're going for an event that has like a semi-formal to formal feel. If you're having a backyard get-together and it's a little bit more casual and picnic in my opinion, cans in that case doesn't feel out of place. But if you're at a country club, someone drinking a beer out of can may look a little, a little funky in my opinion. Um, gotcha. The only other option that I know of is kegs. So, Dan, by math, <laughs> a full keg can hold... It holds a hundred and sixty five beers. So
0: cans or bottles.
1: I don't I think it's the same. I don't know ounces. Anyway, it's about hundred and sixty five servings. Oh, hundred and sixty five servings. There, eat that, Dan. So it. Okay. But so in so in my head I go, Well geez, if I can buy a a, a keg then that's super simple it's like one thing i have to buy versus how many cases but it's it's so much more than that you need to have um with the keg you need to have someone who is very skilled in like tapping them making sure that they're well taken care of you usually end up with a lot of waste with the cans or i'm sorry with the kegs because you like once you start drinking through a keg like you can't just like take that keg back to the person you bought the cake from, and say, "Hey, can I have my money back for the keg- like the amount of beer we didn't drink? Like it's just in there; it's just going to go to waste. Um, and you need a glass; you need something to pour that drink into. Whether it's a, an actual physical, you know, pilsner glass, if it's a it's if it's just a plastic cup or whatever it might be, you need another thing that you need to purchase. So, and pouring it takes time, as you know. Just think about it. You know, when you go to a bar, they have to pour it out, and that takes time. So for me. Mm. 9 times out of 10 bottles are the best way to go.
0: Gotcha. Um but what about if you can just have like um you just get some solo cups or whatever if it's like a, a backyard type wedding. You just have everybody write their name on the the cup uh and you know everybody's just got this one cup for the night. Like that that's not that bad, right?
1: <laughs> I'm not a big <laughs> loaded, loaded question. <laughs> I know right. I'm not a big fan of that. So you guys um, Think about any time you've gone to a party um, and you've you know, it's been a solo cup, not super formal event. Chances are you've put that cup down and it's it's one of those things that when you go to get another drink, like you just sometimes want a fresh cup and this whole concept of like this one cup for the night, I get it. But from a guest standpoint and even a logistical standpoint, it's tough. It's not a great experience. It's like as a guest, I'm, I'm having to keep track of my cup all night. And then it's like sticky, depending on what I've been drinking. And do I need to rinse it out? And what if someone accidentally like, snagged my cup and now my cup's gone? And it's just get it. Um, but take a step back and really think about it from your guest experience if you're going to go that route.
0: Have you ever heard this, the, the solo cup song? Yeah. Red Solo Cup. Yeah. I fill you up. Let's have a party. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I just really wanted to sing. That was all. Now we're going to get a
1: copyright infringement something or other. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked about beer.
0: Yep. Okay. So next step would be wine right and not not how it comes but like when you get it and how you get it or how your guests get it during the evening right right?
1: well I I guess wine can come I mean it can come in a box or it can come in a bottle (laughs) hey if you're serving boxed wine no shame in that but put it in like a carafe or something where people don't know it's boxed wine
0: (laughs) I just want to take the bottle of Franzia and just open the tap above each of your guests mouths yes there you go
1: that's fancy Super great, so I think <laughs> speaking of fancy, I think a nice touch is um if your venue slash catering company slash bartenders allow it is to offer wine service during dinner um where there's like an empty wine glass at everyone's setting just as the same as there's like a water glass there, but your wine glass is empty. And while dinner's going on the servers or the bartenders or the venue staff go around and say, you know, would you like red or white with your dinner? It's a really like fancy little thing. Um, That said, It does take time away from them being doing something else. So something to keep in mind. Plus it's an extra glass that needs to be on the table, but it could help with your bar line and while dinner's going on.
0: Yeah. And you know, the thing that we always keep talking about on the, the podcast is like guest experience and what it's like to be a host, uh, in terms of like bang for the buck and, and wanting your guests to like, maybe feel fancy depending on what you're going for. This is like a super delicate touch, a very like subtle nod to, to, you know, feeling classy and to your, um, to your guests having like this, you know, wonderful experience.
1: Right. But you know, your guests best. If most of your guests are not wine drinkers, there's no reason to like go that route and do that. And same goes for champagne. A lot of people don't drink champagne or don't like the taste of champagne. Um, I say, like, if you're wanting to do, um, you know, if you're having toast during dinner, the classic thing is to have a champagne toast. You absolutely do not need to have champagne, you guys. If you are not a big champagne drinker and you really don't want to go that route, you don't have to have champagne on the tables for the toast. Guests will use whatever it is they are drinking to to like clinkling and and celebrate whatever the toaster yep. just said um or you could just opt to do like if you're providing the alcohol, you can opt to just provide champagne just for the toast itself, like just enough for like it's like a two ounce pour for every glass. Don't feel like you have mm-hmm. to have it at enough to have it the bar too and all this other things like you can just have it where it makes sense or skip it altogether. I can't tell you how much champagne is wasted at a wedding because of, you know, it's, it's pre poured and just sits there by so many people or they take a little sip and then that's it.
0: Yeah, I hear that. So, have we, I think we've covered everything bar wise, right? Alcohol wise. Have we? I mean,
1: uh, we could probably talk for a long time about a lot of this stuff, but I think we've got, like, that's a good basic. Um, maybe okay. we should talk about some non alcoholic drinks.
0: Okay. All right. So, soda, water, non alcoholic beverages. Right. So, bottled water is always a must, right? Definitely. Like the, must have. We can agree on that. Yeah. But, um, I, I would say that the smaller bottles are probably a, a better option for less bottles sitting around at the end of the night with water still sitting in them, but still bottled water, you get a lot of plastic. So you, like, regardless of if you choose the big bottle or the little bottle, you're still mm-hmm. going to use a lot of plastic. So, But in terms of if you're thinking of just having less bottles sitting around at the end of the night with water still in them... Go the small bottles Right
1: And you don't have to do bottles I usually say bottles Because it's easy for a guest to grab The bartender doesn't necessarily Need to pour it out But it also looks really great Just to have like A really huge beverage dispenser Full of ice water Or flavored water yep. Like some cucumbers in there Which I hate cucumbers Don't even get me started on cucumbers When they put cucumbers in water It makes me angry I get that it tastes good To everyone else But I hate it Anyway um, <laughs> You know Just like a nice big thing With some cups next to it Where guests can just go up And help themselves But water ice water is
0: huge is it possible to have like a big big jar a uh, big cooler of water that like guests can walk up to pour a little bit in a plastic cup and then walk back to their table throughout the reception and then in the evening maybe coordinate where people if they're leaving in cars or they're leaving Ooh. on shuttles that they can get a bottle to take with them yes. do you know what I mean so they can hydrate you know after all of the drinking and everything
1: that's a wonderful touch in fact it like throw a cute label on it and there's your favor like i <laughs> Ta-da. Ta-da. Done. (laughs) And plus, like you said, we always say from a guest experience, that's great because who's not thirsty after like dancing and sweating and and drinking and eating and just having a good time? They get on the bus to go back to their hotel or whatever and they've got like a nice bottle of water. It's great.
0: Yep. Um, Soda. Not not too much to be said about that, but you know, brown, regular soda, diet soda, and then some kind of a clear like 7-Up Sprite. Ginger ale, whatever. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> Ooh, or for those listening in a different region, we're talking about pop, not soda, pop. Soda pop. Soda pop. For those I think who that's are bridging that s- ga- bridging word. the gap. <laughs> yes.
0: So- soda pop.
1: Yeah, Soda pop. Yeah. Aww, oh, my granny cute...
0: used to say pop. She was from Ohio.
1: Ah, mm. I, thought, I thought pop was a southern thing, but I think I'm wrong on that.
0: I don't know. Maybe if you say pop, just sign into our Facebook and let us know that you say pop and where you're from because we want to figure out where where pop originates. Do a poll in Facebook to find out whether you call it soda or pop. Okay. Or soda pop. Okay.
1: I'll do that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um,
0: Other options for drinks include lemonade, iced tea, flavored water that you mentioned before. like not cucumber. (laughs) You can do cucumber if you like cucumber, cucumber but you could also do lemons. I would stay away from um What's the big, big orange-looking thing that's, like, really sour? <laughs> the, Why, grapefruit? I don't remember the name?
1: Grapefruit, yes. <laughs> What's that big orange thing? The sun?
0: Uh. uh stay away from grapefruit. Why? Blech. Dan. Grapefruit-flavored water? I've never no seen
1: grapefruit-flavored water. And it can't be any oh, worse than I'm... cucumber water, in my opinion.
0: Apparently, my taste is fancier than yours because <laughs> I have seen so much flavored grapefruit water.
1: Really? To me, grapefruit is very sour. I don't see it pleasing many people. I like grapefruit yeah. like for breakfast with like a boatload of sugar on it and a spoon, <laughs> but that's about it. Super healthy. Uh- <laughs> Yeah,
0: if you're going outdoor wedding in the summer, you cannot go wrong with like lemonade and iced tea. Yeah,
1: even it's a nice touch to like put some out before your ceremony begins. So usually the the flow of events goes from ceremony to cocktail hour to reception, and your bar likely won't open until cocktail hour starts. But if you can, see if you can negotiate either with your venue or cater or bartenders to see if you can have a little like self serve station of just some water and like ice cold something. Um, doesn't need to be alcoholic. In fact, I might recommend recommend not going. because you're not really serving any food yet you don't want anybody feeling a little funky while your ceremony is going on or getting a buzz on (laughs) you know while the like you know serious part of the day is happening but that's a really nice touch in my opinion but if you do go that route make sure you have a table a garbage can nearby and some napkins all three things that will you'll need in order to do that little self-serve station
0: okay uh That's really good advice. And now that you're saying that I'm thinking of a wedding that I just photographed in May and before the ceremony, they had like a little station set up, um, like as guests were walking into like this, like wooded Glen, it was this outdoor ceremony and they had, um, like three drinks there with glasses and they had a a section that you could actually put your glasses on as you're walking out. But it was like this really tasty peach lemonade. And then there was some other like, uh, mint Uh, lemonade or like mint tea and people were just loving it like they were sitting there on this pretty warm day sitting there waiting for you know the bride and groom and waiting for the whole wedding party and the ceremony to begin just sipping on this really delicious um, non-alcoholic cocktail hour and I think from the photography perspective and the guest perspective and the guests perspective their experience that everybody looked like they were having a great old time like i mean there were tons of glasses used after that ceremony was done so you know that a lot of people were using it and enjoying it Mm -hmm. so if that's an option for you try to get it done
1: yeah people love that um the last thing i think we probably want to talk about just really quick is ice Um, Ice. ice Ice, um, I would say ice is one of those things that you might be able to provide. I would say at all times, try to have your caterer or your venue or your bartender or whatever provide the ice just because it's one of those day of tasks that someone will need to run out and purchase for you unless you have like an onsite freezer. Uh, it's not really something that can be done too far in advance and it's really time sensitive and it's just easier to make sure that someone else is providing it to make sure that they're bringing enough and all that. But If you are responsible for providing the ice, I would say usually figure about one and a half pounds of ice per guest. Um, If you also have to chill things like your beer or white wine or champagne or soda or water or soda pop, whatever it is, I would figure about like two and a half pounds per person or even more. Um if you have to go the route of like chilling things also um i've seen it where like people have filled up um like a canoe we do a lot of camp weddings around here and people oh, yeah, have sort I've of filled up a canoe uh, let me just tell you you will need a lot a lot of ice for a canoe like station like that so just keep that in mind but like if you're trying to be like i don't even know where to begin that's like between one and a half to two and a half pounds of ice per person
0: so so if you guys have any questions about beer or wine or alcohol or bars or bartenders um hit us up send us uh your question and we'll be happy to get back to you um but danielle you have a, a really cool service that you like to do with your couples to help them out right mm-hmm. and you wanted to offer that to some peeps on the show here
1: Um, So I am going to be opening up my services to a few more people. Normally, I just do this for my clients. But if you go to putoregonapodcast.com slash booze, B-O-O-Z-E, and fill out the details of your wedding on the form, I will help take the guesswork out of this part of your planning process. And for just 10 bucks, I'll send you a customized PDF breakdown of the alcohol, the beer, the wine, the ice, everything that I suggest you purchase specifically for your wedding. Now, we always love giving you as much free information as we can, and this ten dollars is going to help continue to support the show and help us keep continuing to bring you awesome content and and just some good stuff, you guys. Yay! Thanks, guys. All right, Dan, let's go into the next portion of today's show. We have uh, a voicemail from a caller. Oh, that's fun.
2: Hey, Danielle and Dan, um, big fan of the podcast. My name is Mazuri. I live in New York. Um and I was wondering if you guys have any experience with clients who have had two weddings in two different countries like back to back. So, I'm from India, my fiancé is from Philadelphia, and so we're having and we, and we live in New York and so we're having a big wedding in India and also a pretty sizable wedding in Philly back to back this summer. Um it's coming up. Um and I'm, I guess I'm starting to feel the stress a little bit. So I was wondering if you have any thoughts on how to celebrate, you know, this opportunity, Um, you know, how to keep your energy levels up, how to, you know, reconcile the fact that you're going to have two very special days instead of one very special day where you just get get married the one time, you know. Um, If you have any thoughts, like any clients who have dealt with this before, any words of encouragement, I'd love to hear it. Um, Thanks so much. Bye.
0: So, so my advice to Madri is really simple. I mean, once once you get past the fact that like there's double the work to do. Yes, I mean you're you're thousands of miles away from India and you have to plan a wedding there. Um, and then you're also planning this wedding like very shortly after here in the United States. I mean, you know, <clears throat> we talk about planning a wedding in a year, a single wedding in a year. Um, I don't know how long you've been engaged, but to plan two weddings in maybe a year that that's a lot i think once you get past that um and just being very organized and and straightforward i think the fact that you get to share this day days more than once is a very exciting um opportunity that you should you should just soak up i mean you know the the best part about a wedding is that how often do we get all of your friends and family these close people to you under one roof for a happy reason now There's a reason why many people will make a wedding weekend out of it They'll have you know people come in Friday night for a rehearsal dinner They'll have the wedding day all day on Saturday, and then they have uh, you know a brunch or something on Sunday They want to extend that that excitement right and I think if you I think this just requires a, a slight perspective change Rather than just being like feeling like overwhelmed about like oh my gosh. I've got these two days Yeah, it, it, there's a a lot of planning in it but just take shift this perspective and say wow how lucky are we that we we do get to share this day with a multitude of people in two different countries two different continents um and all these people who love us are going to be there and we get to do it in two different ways in two different styles because i'm assuming that there's probably some tradition differences maybe in india versus here um and you get to you get to soak it all up. Um, and that's that's my my best advice to you is just really to just like have this small perspective change and just say that this is such a unique situation and just really to love on double the people, love on double the excitement um, and just really take that in as a unique opportunity and be excited about it. Well said, Dan. Thank you. I
1: think the the only thing I want to add to that um, because I agree with everything that you said is to try your best not to compare or put the wedding side by side. I would say to take each event as its own individual moment while they have obviously similar similar functions and that they're bringing everybody together to celebrate your marriage. Um, they are likely going to be two very unique Events And I think you should treat them as such, not really comparing one to the other and saying, well, you know, at this one I did this or at this one I felt this. Um, I think just taking each one in, in as it is, um, I think you're just going to want to make really great memories from each and just focus on staying in the moment and taking each one individually. Like, especially for that first one, don't be thinking of all the things you still have to do for that second one. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Oh, just yeah. like, oh God, just soak it in and enjoy it. Um, I think that goes the same too for anybody who's planning, you know, when you have your a wedding going on and then you're leaving immediately for your honeymoon. Like, I imagine it has to be really hard not to think like, gosh, as soon as today's over, we're flying out on our honeymoon tomorrow morning like how exciting is that don't do it like just think about like that moment you're in and soaking it in
0: yeah i have one couple who is currently living in philly and they're planning a wedding for spain um and then they were trying to plan a wedding for philly but something happened where like it just didn't come together so now they have to plan a wedding from philly in spain and a wedding from philly in Chicago just a couple months after the Spain wedding and what they're doing is just breaking it down by focusing on one event at a time just like you said Danielle so they're focusing on the Spain wedding um, getting everything they need to done for that trying to do as much of the planning as possible and they're just focusing on that and then they've got a little bit of time between and I don't. it sounds like this isn't the case for you um, but they're, they're just focusing on one event at a time and not comparing the two of them because they are two separate Events um, and th- again, they're just trying to soak it up um, and celebrate with the cer- the unique people who are going to be at the Spain wedding and then celebrate with the unique people who are going to be at the Chicago wedding.:
1: That's awesome. All right, you guys. Well, check out the com website for show notes and for everything else. And don't forget, like we said at the top of the show, we are going to be taking off the rest of July for our vacations that we poorly planned uh, without talking to one another. But we'll be back in (laughs) August.
0: Yep. Special thanks to our season sponsor. They are amazing. The Naughty Tyco, uh, which offers custom ties, bow ties, pocket squares. They are incredible people. Mm
1: hmm. And just like Madri, send us your wedding story. Give us a call 521 or just head to the put slash contact part of our site.
0: Uh, like us on Facebook, keep in touch, ask questions and get updates on season three. Again, we are always happy to help and just really love feeling needed and useful. <laughs>
1: We're we're a needy bunch.
0: We are a needy <laughs> bunch. Um, we hope you guys have an awesome July. Enjoy some family time. Enjoy some summertime, and we'll see you in August. Bye bye. What does an angry pepper do what it gets jalapeno face
1: <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> i really
0: like that one